everybody! Welcome to another episode of Classic Gaming Brothers. I'm Zach. And I'm Seth. We're the Classic Gaming Brothers. That's right. We are. That's that's who we are. That's what we do. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's that's all I got. That's that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. Wow. Yeah. Always always classic, never classy. Always classy. No, we're never classy. By far never classy. We haven't we tell people that we're sometimes classy, but we haven't oh. been classy yet. Oh, we have yet to be classy. Maybe we should have a classy episode. Yeah, we'll talk we about classy video games. Classy video games. Like um I don't know, the first thing that jumps to my mind when I think of a classy video game, I'm thinking Titanic out of time. There we go. That's a classy video game. You're you're on the Titanic. You are out of time. You're out of time. Two things that are notoriously classy: being out of time and on the Titanic. It's true, especially if you have a pocket watch. That makes being out of time that much that much better. Yeah, it's true. So uh, this is our episode that will come out closest to Halloween. Yes, it will. And we we did have our uh, Urban Legends episode that just came out in the previous week it was very spooky it was very spooky so we thought we'd stay in the theme of spooky episodes and scary episodes and this episode will talk about a a controversial video game which we won't reveal until later on in the episode that's right because because seth we still need to do our recently plays that's true but the episode name won't give it away right for once so zach i'll go first okay so so recently well you're you're recently played is more thematically appropriate it is it is so let's talk about mine first because it's not so i mentioned that i was playing Baldur's gate in a previous episode the i think i mentioned i was playing three and i was also playing one uh so i've i'm now playing Baldur's gate siege of the dragon sphere spear i keep wanting to say sphere one of our favorite games is dragon sphere it is this is a good game it's called dragon spear uh released in 2016 Baldur's gate siege of the dragon spear is a game that was developed by beamdog which did the enhanced edition of Baldur's gate and Baldur's gate 2 it is off of the Baldur's Gate 1 setup. So they enhanced both Baldur's Gate and Baldur's Gate 2. So if this makes any sense, Baldur's Gate 1, after the enhanced edition, is similar to Baldur's Gate 2 when it comes to the UI, but is also decidedly its own thing. Where before, when it was Baldur's Gate and Baldur's Gate 2, the original games, uh, they were very different when it came to their UI. Siege of the Dragon Spear plays uh, more akin to Baldur's Gate 1 versus Baldur's Gate 2. Oh, okay. And it almost feels like a very large expansion pack to Baldur's Gate 1, which also had an expansion pack, but is decidedly its own game. And you could make your own character to play in Dragon Spear, or you can import your character from Baldur's Gate 1. You can, in fact, play the same Baldur's Gate 1 character through Dragon Spear and into Baldur's Gate 2 to have like a, uh, you could have a character go through uh, what ends up being 40, 80, probably 140 hours worth of video gaming, 130 That's cool. hours. Yeah, it's kind of like the Mass Effect trilogy. Yeah, I was except- going to say, like, except in Mass Effect, it's you're really only playing one character that you just design differently. Correct. You're only playing as Commander Shepard. Shepard. Where in Shepard. <laughs> Where in Baldur's Gate, you're playing a very unique character. All the characters do have something in common, that they are all children of Baal, who is the god of murder. Being that he's the god of murder, he foresaw his own death. So before he died, he had a lot of children, and they are called Ball Spawns. Oh, and a... you 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 play as one of them. <laughs> kind of a silly word. Yes, being a Ball Spawn. Yeah, you are a spawn of Ball, and then Ball got whacked. 
<laughs> and then he died. Spoiler alert. Murdered. Wow. Well, no, that's not a spoiler alert. Oh, okay. We'll have to do like a whole Baldur's Gate episode, I think, breaking down the, the lore of Baldur's Gate, if you would. Yes, indeed. We, we could do something like that. But for now, Zach, what have you been recently been playing? Well, Seth, I've recently been playing a game with you. Um, so you should remember what I've recently been playing. But for those of you who aren't playing the game with me, like my brother is, I've recently been playing Sign of Silence, which was a game that was on my by weight pass back when we it was a few episodes ago i think that i was on my by weight pass so i did end up purchasing it seth bought it too uh so sign of silence is a game by renderize it was developed and published by them this year and it came out actually in october of 2020 and it's a four-player cooperative horror game set in the dreadful outskirts of danville um in massachusetts i think so uh it's pretty much you have to escape the place or or stick around and try to find secrets and stuff and avoid scary monsters that don't like it if you make noise and so far i've enjoyed it it's it's very spooky it has a lot of jump scares which isn't quite the kind of horror that i i I always like but uh i certainly had fun playing with seth when we did play and uh i'll definitely play it again before october's over um so far it's a very buggy but it's still fun to play. I don't mind the bugs. I think the bugs can be funny. One of my favorite bugs was where my character kept standing on top of Seth's character, and then I fell off of him and died. So it was like I was playing Leapfrog to death. Yes. In fact, you you took, I think, 130 damage from falling on top of me. I took more damage falling off of Seth's body than uh, than I took like getting attacked by a monster temporarily <laughs> like it, yes it was bad yes. I'm, I'm a very dangerous person you shouldn't climb on top of me so that's what i've been playing I, i've been enjoying it you know it's it's a nice little horror game to play with my brother which I, it's fun playing games with my brother that's true just don't play games like me yes <laughs> we'll make that joke again i guess i, I mean I'll, I'll always make that joke so we we mentioned in the the episode title that this was going to be an episode about the one of the most controversial games out there to to date the one of the most controversial games. And it's not going to be Manhunt. Or it's not going to be Grand Theft Auto. In our opinion, the most controversial game was... Night Trap! <laughs> so, Night Trap, which... Zach, why don't you tell us a little bit about what, what Night Trap was? Yeah, so Night Trap isn't probably a game that a lot of people might have heard of if you're not super familiar with controversial games. Uh, <laughs> Night Trap was an interactive movie video game developed by Digital Pictures for the Sega CD in 1992. Uh, So the Sega CD, for those who don't know, was an add-on to the Sega Genesis, very similar to the Sega 32X, which we talked a bit about in our Sega Saturn episode. Um, It was a CD-based add-on, as the name Sega CD implies. It was not as much of a failure as the 32X, but it was still not great. So in Night Trap, you take the role of a special agent who is tasked to watch over a teenage girl who was at a a slumber party. Unbeknownst to this girl, though, the house is the target of a group of murderous, vampiric beings known as the Augurs. Um, And during the game, you have to kind of like monitor the girl's whereabouts and trigger different traps and such to deter the augers from um attacking her and draining her of her blood um so it's a kind of like a it's almost like an early five nights at freddy's game in a way because you're monitoring these like video cameras 
um, and you have to do certain things at the right time. Uh, the game is done in full motion video, meaning a majority of it is presented almost like being a movie. In the game, you toggle between multiple screens that are presented kind of like a closed circuit television camera system. You have like one screen and you kind of like toggle between multiple different views of the house. And, and if you like strung all of these scenes together, it gives you the full movie. Um, the origin of the game can be traced back to a 1986 prototype that was being developed by Axlon for a video game system called the Control Vision. Now, the Control Vision was a VHS-based system that Hasbro was considering selling, being developed by Axlon. Ultimately, it was canceled and never finished because the price point for the Control Vision was projected to be almost $100 to $200 more than the Nintendo at the time. So it wouldn't have been a good competitor. That's a great name for a game system. Control though. Vision, yeah. The Control Vision? It, yeah. It, it, just like I, I, they should have just took the hyphen out and just made Control Vision or something that like that. That would have been great, yeah. Yeah, it would have been great. That would have been a great, great system. It would have been. I mean, VHS based, what can go wrong? Uh, the footage for Night Trap was recorded in 1987. And when the Control Vision was canceled, the executive director of Night Trap, Tom Zito, purchased the footage and founded his own company, Digital Pictures. Night Trap was officially released in 1992 for the Sega CD, which was five years after the filming had already finished. Production of Night Trap took over six months. It was a combination of filming and programming. The film was shot on 35mm and was directed by James Riley. The director of photography was Don Burgess, and for film buffs out there like myself uh don burgess would actually later go on to shoot the academy award-winning film forrest gump so <laughs> you know it's very good looking the, uh, the high, yeah the production level is pretty high it's gotta yeah. be right yeah well he hadn't shot forrest gump yet <laughs> but, but he's an academy award-winning yeah it's true he, he he became an academy award-winning uh director of photography at the time of release the game did receive mixed reviews um, at one point, it even ranked 59 on a list of 100 worst video games of all time. To be fair, that list came out a little later, but still, not, not, not a great look. Uh, the game had a budget of $1.5 million, making it one of the most expensive games for the era. And while it did have mixed reviews, it was actually a commercial success. It sold over 400,000 units by 1998. And around that time, or a little before that time, the game was also ported over to other systems, such as the 3DO, MS-DOS, Mac OS, and a version that was actually made that used the Sega 32X add-on along with the Sega CD, um, which allowed it to kind of... Uh, have a little bit more visual um, color palettes and such because the 32X was a 32-bit system as opposed to using the Sega CD's 16-bit um, hardware. It was, it was um, overall, I think, fondly remembered, however, due to uh, some controversy that followed it. And Seth is the expert on controversy, so he's going to take it away from there. That's right, especially government controversy. That's right. Uh, so... Put yourself back in your, your shoes, December 9th, 1993, a governmental affairs subcommittee on regulation and government infra information has a hearing, and it's led by Senators Joseph Lieberman and Herb Cole of Connecticut and Wisconsin, respectively, which this hearing received major national news coverage, uh, including being picked up by Washington Post and USA Weekly and all those uh, newspapers at the time. So this hearing reviewed two games, one of which being the very, very tame Mortal Kombat by Midway, the other being Night Trap. Now, any, is anybody 
is familiar with Mortal Kombat, there would be no reason whatsoever why a congressional hearing would need to oversee the why Mortal Kombat would be brought into any slight being yeah, of course. for any sense. Mortal it's Kombat completely... is a very tame, child-friendly game. Exactly. Now, everyone should know that this is uh, 1993, once again. So the there is no ratings on video games. Video games just come out and they could be for anybody and there's no like they could have anything in it uh so there was a game that i we got as a family called the orion conspiracy and we got it around 95 which was shortly after regulations came into play i don't believe that it had an actual rating on it or how it got into my house but my my i installed the game it was an adventure game and i went and played through the game and it was full of racial slurs and my dad saw the racial slurs on the screen and it was uninstalled and removed from the house and perhaps we'll, we'll go on and talk about the game such as the orion conspiracy but but it was right around the orion conspiracy came out right around when like ratings started to uh, be a thing on video games yeah so while ratings weren't necessarily plastered on video games as they are now different companies had different standards for what they considered mature content um so for example nintendo when they released mortal kombat they actually censored the blood and this was before the m rating so nintendo was already taking steps to kind of to make sure that their games were appropriate for their audience meanwhile sega was a bit more lax on this sega actually included blood you had to unlock it with a cheat but i think they included the cheat in the instruction booklet for the game so in many ways while there wasn't necessarily a rating system the company is really more there was just no cohesiveness and if it was a pc game i mean it was who knows i mean like it was right it was like right. a wild west of games over there back to the exciting congressional hearing uh <sighs> senator lieberman uh claimed that night trap promoted sexual aggression towards women and was in his own words teaching children to enjoy inflicting torture. However, also within his own words, Lieberman ad admitted to never have played the game and only witnessed a 30-second snippet in which, to quote a John Burgess's report of the, of the congressional hearing, three black-suited assailants entered a bathroom, grabbed a young woman wearing a flimsy nightgown, then attached a long hooked device to her neck to suck out the blood. Now, Tom Zito, who is the CEO of Digital Pictures, uh, who brought his game out from that VHS situation and was the producer of Night Trap, knew that Night Trap was being brought in for a congressional hearing, so he went to the congressional hearing. Fun fact, Tom Zito also wrote for the Washington Post for many, many <laughs> years and was a Washington-like uh, insider. Like, he went to Georgetown. He grew up going, you know, like, he worked at the Washington Post. He met these people that he, like, he'd went to the Hill before. Yeah. Um, the Hill was being where co Congress is. Uh, so he went to the Hill that day and he was there when they announced that he was not in attendance. Uh, so the senators said that Tom Zito was not in the, in the attendance of the hearing. So he was not able to speak even though he was there and he announced his presence. He was ignored by the senators. The senators, according to Tom, vilified Night Trap. It, they didn't know anything about the game so they claimed the game was set in a sorority house it wasn't they claimed that there were meat hooks there weren't and there is no torture in the game 
In fact, the game is deliberately supposed to feel like a low-budget parody vampire film. And to be honest, once the game the the game was shot in 1987, so it was already starting to be out of date even when it was released. Yeah. So it was supposed to be a low-budget parody vampire film 5 years ago before it was released so definitely looked low budget the objective of the game is in fact to protect the women and men in the house and there's this old winery that's also part of the setting where these almost converted vampires the augurs are attempting to finish their change to becoming undead by going in and getting the blood so you're you're with this like special task force assigned to protect these people. And that's the whole purpose of the game. In fact, the game will end if you don't protect these people. Tom Zito would go on to saying that out of the 100 minutes of the video game footage, they took the only 30 seconds where there's this nightgown scene. And the nightgown is not even as uh, provocative as many PG films at the time. And Rob uh, Fulop was there. He was the designer of Night Trap. And he was pissed that his game was being compared to Mortal Kombat, which had this gratuitous amount of violence and gore. And to put the icing on the cake, uh, a Nintendo senior vice president, uh, a guy by the name of Howard Lincoln, testified in front of the committee and stated night trap would never appear on a nintendo system because it did not pass the guidelines that they enforced at the time rob uh the designer tried to explain it was because nintendo lacked the technical ability since the game was released on cd-rom so there were no nintendo systems that could play the game hence why there was night trap was not on nintendo not because of this moral high ground that nintendo was trying to take and many critics at the time believed that nintendo was deliberately wording their statements because night trap was on Sega CD, which was a direct competitor of Nintendo. So these hearings went on, and what came of them? Well, in the following week, 50,000 copies of Night Trap were sold. It's As Zachary noted earlier, 400,000 copies were sold from 1993 to 1998. Of those 400,000, 50,000 of them were sold in one week. However, two weeks Prior to Christmas of that year, the game was removed from store shelves in the two of the largest toy retailers at the time, Toy R- Toys R Us and Kibi Toys, both of whom are defunct. <laughs> and this is because they were pulled from these two retailer shelves because both of the retailers received numerous complaints, which were probably an organized phone movement. Fun fact... They continue to stop stock Mortal Kombat, though. So I guarantee you those retailers looked at the two controversial games and said, which one will not sell as much? Night Trap. Let's fall on our sword, get rid of Night Trap, and continue to sell Mortal Kombat. And, and I think the thing that's kind of ridiculous is that I've played Night Trap. Um, I haven't beat it because it's a, not a good game. But the thing with Night Trap is that it, it isn't even like, yeah, the augers are taking blood from people, but you don't see blood being taken. It's not like a gory game. Um, you know, they, they put in like like this very kind of comical giant syringe into the person. I think like in the back, so you don't even see it going 
you know the individual it, yeah, again it's, it, it, it's very deliberate in how they they kind of frame the the violence so that it's never actually explicit whereas in mortal Kombat, there's a character who can rip the skeleton out of a person yes yeah. <laughs> so but mortal Kombat was continued to be sold in the two largest retailers where night trap was pulled out uh, if you watch any of the footage from Night Trap, you can even watch the footage that was brought, the 30 seconds that the uh, the Senators watched. You can see that it is, even for that time, de- deliberately ridiculous. So in January of 1994, Night Trap was uh, withdrawn from the market by Sega. Uh, Vice President of Marketing uh, Bill White stated that it was pulled due to the, quote, continued controversy surrounding it, which prevented constructive dialogue about an industry-wide rating system. Bill also defended the game officially saying from Sega it was misunderstood misunderstood by the Senators and was a parody of vampire melodramas. In January of 95, they released a censored version of the game. Uh, Because of Night Trap, and the whole controversy in regards to the congressional hearing, the Entertainment Software Rating Board, the ESRB, was created in 1994, uh, which is still used today to yeah. rate video games and is actually, in my opinion, one of the best uh, self-governing. It, it's a good thing for video games at the end of the day. I, I think that the creation of the ESRB has allowed the video games industry to self-regulate itself Mm. so that a dangerous precedent of the government regulating video games or the government blaming video games for things uh didn't happen so the srb came out and uh the game uh night trap uh does have an m rating for mature Uh, uh, the the interesting thing that also that also came up because of this was that the senators, uh, specifically Joe Lieberman, um, viewed video games as this corrupting influence onto children because he viewed video games as a toy and as something that only children played. However, Tom Zito realized that the kids who were playing Atari were now growing up and they wanted more mature games to reflect they weren't going to stop playing video games but they just wanted video games that were uh, more adult he was playing to that audience he never wanted somebody under 17 playing night trap he didn't feel that night trap was meant for kids it shouldn't have been sold to kids he primarily marketed to an older adult group which to be honest i, I was a kid I wouldn't want to play Night Trap. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, it isn't... Yeah. I mean, the only reason I ended up even getting the the, the copy that I have was because it was inexpensive. I, I bought the... And I'll talk about the kind of Night Trap's legacy. It was actually remastered. Um, but I bought the remaster just because I think it was like a dollar when I bought it. Right. It's a, like a dollar, right? Like, it's not, it's not a great game. But... To be fair, it probably would not have sold as well if it didn't get this controversy, which stems back to the there's no such thing as bad publicity. Yeah, it's true. And one thing I think is funny is that the the designer of Night Trap, Rob Fulop, actually was so upset about what happened with 
with Night Trap and this whole congressional hearing that he went on to found his own company to create a game that what he wanted to be the exact opposite of Night Trap. So he went on to create a company called PF Magic, which later went on to create the game Balls for Sega Genesis and also went on to create Pets, Dogs, Cats, and Oddballs. <laughs> yeah, which we've we've spoken about before. Yeah. And I do think I do think that those games are definitely the exact opposite of <laughs> Night Trap. <laughs> I I think they're the exact opposite of a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, Zach, why don't you give us the legacy part of this? Yeah, Night Trap was actually wasn't completely forgotten about after this uh, congressional hearing. Night Trap was uh, remastered and re-released in April of 2017 to mark the 25th anniversary. And the re-release was spearheaded by a company called Hoggle Screaming Villains, which is a great name for a company. <laughs> and it was released for the PS4, the Xbox One, and Windows. And the company Limited Run Games actually offered a physical release for a limited time. The physical release is cool. It uses, um, there's, I think they have a version with the original artwork, kind of looks like a Sega CD case, and then they have another version with the updated artwork for the re-release back in the later part of the 90s. In August right. of 2018, the anniversary was released on the Nintendo Switch, meaning that Howard Lincoln was wrong in his 1993 congressional Hearing. And let me say that for the record, I want to state that Night Trap will never appear on a Nintendo system. And it did eventually come out on a Nintendo system. Right. Once it had the appropriate hardware to uh, yeah, play it. It only took them to the Switch. <laughs> I think Night Trap was partly a victim of a lot of unfortunate circumstances to itself. Uh, I mean, starting with the control vision, right? It, it was originally designed for the system that never even happened. Let's pretend that there was a world where the control vision existed. And it came out in like 1988. And it came out with this brand new technology and using this, and it was played on a VHS. Like, would it have gone to a congressional hearing and would, would it have sold as well or poorly or would it have sold more? Like, these are some things that could have happened. Instead, it was uh, some someone somewhere saw 30 seconds of this video game and got it to the senate level of issues where the senators beat it and they beat it to to where we needed to self-regulate as a, a video game industry yeah that's night trap it left a lasting impact on 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 the uh gaming culture as it were um it last uh left a lasting impact on gaming here in america and you know what to be honest it's not even that good <laughs> So in, in in fact they did create a Kickstarter from the original creators to who created a company the original creators created a company called Night Trap LLC and they were going to make a sequel to the original game and they were going to re-release other digital picture titles that they created they needed they had a kickstarter they needed three hundred and thirty thousand dollars they got thirty nine thousand bucks the kickstarter failed and the rest is history there's so yeah the game was a not a good game and got beat up by senators yeah which i mean i don't think it definitely it didn't deserve that um but you know it definitely is an interesting part of history i i for sure that is our night trap episode um it's kind of a different sort of <laughs> kind of creepy i guess for for hollow or different kind of scary for halloween the the fear of bureaucracy but uh that is our night trap episode and uh we're going to now go into our buy wait pass segment where we're going to talk about games that we are excited about buying waiting 
we're passing on. And Seth, you went first for your recently played, so you can go first for your byway pass. Well, thank you. So my byway pass is a game called Partisans 1941. It came out on October 14th of 2020. It was developed by Alter Games, and it was published by Datalik Entertainment. Uh, Partisans is a real-time tactical game with stealth elements that's set on the uh, eastern front of World War II. You play as an army commander behind enemy lines, and you gather a group of partisans uh, who are Parisian resistance forces to wage a guerrilla warfare against uh, the Germans who are occupying uh, Paris and France. It is a a very commandos, desperados, uh, any of those other O's games uh, type of uh, of game. We actually played it. I think it's still available on YouTube as part of our Steam summer review of oh, the yeah. summer festival. Oh, yeah. Uh, we played, uh, I want to say we played probably five, ten minutes of it. Uh, I think we, I played, feel like we played a good chunk of it, I think. Yeah, and I think you walked away during half of it. I think I was busy during part of it, yeah. But uh, yeah, so we played the demo. It was good. I enjoyed it. It did play very similar to like a Commandos type game. Uh, So right now, I'm going to put it down as a wait. And I feel like I'll pick it up when I get in the mood to play this type of game where I want to play a a Commandos type game tactical real-time game it does seem like your kind of game though um in terms because i know you do like tactical um games of that nature right yeah i just i I have to be in the mood for it that's fair i think and then but then i'll probably get it but yeah i'll put it down as a wait so the game that i am going to be putting down as my in terms of my by weight pass i'll hold off on any spoilers for what my status of it is is a game called rogue rogue was originally released on june 1st of 1985 (laughs) Um, and it was originally released for Unix-based mainframes and then ported to various other operating systems. Um, and now Rogue is the original roguelike. It was the game. It was a game that was uh, open source, uh, and you explored a series of dungeons in search of this thing called the Amulet of Yendor. Um, and for those who don't know, roguelikes usually follow a couple of uh, kind of standards in terms of gameplay. So traditionally, they are permadeath which means when your character dies, your character is dead. And when you restart the game, you're playing as a new character who has all new stats, um, has new inventory, etc., etc. Um, another thing that's common in roguelikes is procedural generation. So the, the dungeons are randomly generated, which means it provides a unique experience every time. It, it, Rogue, I think, is kind of an interesting game to be coming out in, in, in 2020. I think it's actually due out later this month or, or next month because it's not like this is a remaster or a remake it's the original game with the original ascii style artwork um you know it didn't even use graphics it used text for its uh, for its graphics at the time so it didn't even have sprites so just kind of an odd little thing to be coming out in 2020 on, on as an official windows 10 release but it's probably going to be a buy for me i do love old games i would prefer to play it on an old computer but there was not an official port for the apple II, nor was there a vic 20 port and those are the two old computers that i currently own <laughs> i either have to find an unofficial port for the apple II, or i just have to suck it up and play it on my windows 10 <laughs> so uh probably a buy 
Uh, I do like old, old games. Great. And th- so that's going to be our most controversial game ever episode. Yeah. Most controversial stop game stop ever. Stop. Yes. Yes. We are getting into the clickbait category. That's right. <laughs> uh, speaking of clickbait, there should be ways that you can contact us, support us, or listen to us. Do you want to take it away? Yeah, why not? So. Let's say you want to contact us, listen to us, and support us. Well, I've got good news for you, because those are three things that I'm going to tell you how to do in this next couple of minutes. So in order to contact us, you can do so via your email. And in your email, you just go to your email, you do new message, and then you type to classicgamingbrothers at gmail.com. Or you can do classicgamingbrothers at classicgamingbrothers.com. You can put that email in the CC, then we'll get two emails from you. They both go to the same the same address, so it's no worries. But we thought it'd be funny to have to have our you know email be classicgamingbrothers at classicgamingbrothers.com. Send us an email. It will go into our, our Gmail, and, uh, and Seth will read it, and we'll respond to you, or I might read it and maybe respond to you. Um, I'm very bad at checking our email, and I apologize for that, but Seth is much better at it, so I don't need to really apologize. If you do email us, you will win a chance to get a free video game. Seth has a list of games that he's willing to give away um, and uh, you will be thrown into our drawing. So you'll have, you'll be on the chance for that. You can also go to our website, which is classicgamingbrothers.com and you can fill out a contact form there. The contact form works very similarly to email, except you're not using an email client, but it is required that you have an email when you're filling out our contact form. So it's like you have an email, but you're just not using your email, but you know, it's whatever... It's whatever you want to do. Yeah, it, you know, we just like giving you options. Um, if you use the email, uh, if you use the contact form, you'll also be entered into a chance to win a video game. Those are the ways you can contact us. You can also do so via our different social medias that we have. We have a Facebook, we have an Instagram, and we have a Twitter. Our Facebook and Instagram are both Classic Gaming Brothers, and our Twitter is CG Brothers Pod. Um, so you can feel free to follow us on those and reach out to us on those if you feel like it. In, in order to support us, really, one of the best ways that you can support us is uh, just listening to our episode. It's uh, retweeting our stuff when you see it on, on Twitter or re- reposting our stuff when you see it on Facebook, sharing it, um, following us on those social media applications are great, and reaching out to us. Those are some great ways that you can support us. Um, those are probably the best ways that you can support us. Um, you can also buy our merch. We do have a shirt and we have a we have a mug for sale on our website. We're probably due for a, a re-update of those at some point. But you know what? You know, if you want to buy some of our merch, feel free. We we like to say you don't definitely don't feel obligated to. You listening is probably the best support that we can have. Yeah, you can also uh, review us on whatever podcasting app that yeah, you use. Yeah, yeah, so like, yeah. So like, uh, comment, subscribe, do all the things that you need to do, ring bells, um, anything that you 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 need to do in order to uh, let us know that you're listening, let us know that you like us. It always is appreciated. We always like to see feedback and any kind of feedback. You know, if you, if you want to tell Seth and I that, you know, you didn't like maybe a topic that we talked about, or maybe you thought my audio was messed up or Seth's audio was bad, or, or maybe you thought we didn't handle a topic well enough and you kind of want us to revisit it, let us know. You know, we want negative feedback as well as positive feedback. Both are very uh, helpful for us and both will support us. So uh, please do that. Um, now, if you want to listen to us the good news is we are available on pretty much every podcasting application that's out there so um spotify uh amazon we're on you know google we're on Castbox, uh 
Stitcher, all those, iHeartRadio, everything. You know, we're, we're available on anything. But if there's anything that we're not available on, you can send us an email and uh, we will try our best to get on that um, because we, we want to be on everything. Seth and I want to have a total control over the entire podcasting universe and um, reach out with our, our feelings and take control of a, every application out there. That's our, that's our master plan. Uh, we also have a Twitch and we have a, uh, we have two Twitches. Actually, we have a main Twitch classic gaming brothers, and we have my screen, which occasionally I stream from when uh, my internet's behaving. That's VS classic gaming brothers. And those are where we do our primary streaming. Sometimes I just go on the Classic Gaming Brothers and I stream without Seth, but we like to stream together because we're brothers and we like to play video games together. It's what we did growing up. So check us out there. We don't have a schedule because we're very bad at Twitch. Kind of like how we're bad at video games. We're bad at Twitch. Uh, so we don't have a schedule. We go live when we we, we, we feel like it. But, uh, and, and when we're but both, we're, both we, free. we are very good at releasing a podcast on Sunday. That's right. We will always release an episode of this podcast. We might not always stream. So <laughs> definitely follow us on Twitch, though. And, uh, you know, if you see us, if you see us live, feel free to say hi. Feel free to chat with us. We love to talk to our fans. Um, and I think that's it. Yeah, I think that's it. I'm probably forgetting something, but whatever. Yeah, I don't think there's anything else, though. Seth, is there something else? Uh, don't play games like my brother. <laughs> don't play games like my brother. I've been Zach. I've been Seth. And we've been the Classic Gaming Brothers. That's right. That's right. That's right. Now, we're also re- repelled. We, we're disgusted by this material. And yet it is a measure of uh, our values in this society that we resist the impulse to do what I think, uh, let me say for myself, I'd like to do. I'd like to be able to pass a law saying you can't produce this stuff anymore. We don't do that because we value our freedoms.